This is Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again. Today is September 12th, 2021. <laughs> Find the notes and links for this and other episodes. <laughs> thanks for editing live as I'm reading this. This is helpful. Oh, man. <laughs> at Sign up to receive an email when we release a new episode. Follow us at Entheogen Show on Twitter and like Entheogen Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening. And Brad, I'm throwing to you. <laughs> that was great. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> done. Well, welcome to the show, longtime friend Bobby Light. Uh, we're super excited to have with us today. Um, Bobby, among many talents and, and things that he's done and created, hosts an excellent podcast called Flow State, uh, which we want to talk about and generally talk today about flow states and you know how uh, entheogen generating the divine within. This is this is a path to that in, in the way that I think about it in my experience. So, um, Bobby, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk flow. Um, but yeah, and how it's like you mentioned, really connected to antigens as well as another form of getting into flow. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. It's just really good to see your faces too. Uh, it's been a while since we all laughed together. So yeah, yeah. The, intro, the intro was enough, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> intro was enough. Man. The intro brought me back. It brought me back. Yeah, like, hit the, Com hit the spot. You know? yeah. Comedy brings us into the flow. You know, yeah. in, the, in the high. Like if, if we can, like you said, Bobby. That's you, true, you, actually. If, you know, you can laugh together. It kind of like you, it's something mm -hmm. clicks into like a harmony. I think. And yeah. if you like comedy. Check out our previous episode where we interviewed <laughs> Madison Perry about <laughs> comedy as another. Oh, I'm sure that was great. <laughs> okay, we got to plug every pre all 50 previous episodes. We just become like a like a like a self linking <laughs> blog post where it's just you know like Wikipedia. Just yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You never get to nice. the end. You just keep going back to other episodes. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, like. Um, for years when when people would uh i mean i guess anyone can sort of uh well bobby you want to describe what what you would say uh what you would describe as a flow state i think that's a it's a good place to start because um obviously it's something uh you know we, we're talking about in the context of antigens etc but there, it's something mm -hmm. that everybody experiences at uh at some point and i and i feel like uh, probably more in uh naturally in childhood you know there, mm -hmm. there are moments where like time just seems to uh disappear and uh right like you know it, at, at school school didn't feel that way uh All right. the weekend did when you were yeah. 12 years old you know so um i don't know yeah why don't you set that up a bit sure yeah absolutely so i think yeah there's a lot of ways to describe flow state there's obviously like a lot of research now and there's scientific ways of describing it but i really like to start with just my experience with flow and how i felt when i'm in flow and you know like you mentioned when you're a child and you're just playing I think the feeling is, you know, you, you're not really aware of yourself and you kind of, uh, you're just so into whatever it is you're doing, you lose sense of self, you lose sense of time. Um, and you just kind of, everything seems to click. And, you know, I had that experience when I was a kid, whether it's, uh, you know, playing with toys, I used to do a lot of Lego and, uh, but I think, for me the more recent memories, sorry that sounds oh. like so, sounds like an entheogen in of itself man it was like I, how, did, how did you how did you get started oh man i used to do so much lego man <laughs> like, so my so parents found lego. out yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents had to stop it it was getting yeah. bad um <laughs> but uh yeah no the most recent experience i'm sure you can all attest to is uh being at burning man and and djing and um DJing, just, that's an interesting one because i feel like you can go you can be in flow or you can be in the total opposite of flow <laughs> yeah. where you just want to kill yourself <laughs> so, yeah exactly right? so. yeah yeah sometimes a lot of times you know you don't really get into flow and you're up there djing and you're like oh god uh 
but there are moments when you're up there and you know actually the last the last burn which is two years ago now which is crazy but I remember one of the sets I played and I felt like I was in control of the crowd and it was like just out of body experience and it felt incredible and um that is you know another experience where I you know I just felt that kind of lack uh, or no sense of self no sense of time um but then also more specifically to my career uh so you know I'm a software engineer and I think that's another place in which I often get into flow um especially if I give myself enough kind of focus time distraction free space where I really get into the code and um I think, you know, I like to talk about those two things, the, the DJing slash music and the coding, because that's actually what has led me to creating the show flow state. Right. Um, and it's kind of the, the colliding of those two worlds that um, has really been, I guess, uh, impactful or like uh, powerful in, in my experience with flow state. And, uh, you know, even before the show, I used to make uh, these playlists of music to help me get into flow. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of how I describe flow. And, you know, there's a lot of science around it too, which I can get into, you know, why we feel like you lose sense of self or time. Uh, but yeah. I'm really yeah, curious it, about the uh, software engineering aspect of it as a, as a tech, um, you know, nerd, <clears throat> a li lifelong uh, professed nerd myself. Um, mm -hmm. I've done a little bit of just dabbling in programming over the years. I, I mean, I go way back to, um, speaking of Lego, do you remember Logo? You're probably way too young for that. But Logo was no. this like uh, Apple, like two era uh, coding thing for, for kids basically to, to learn. And you had this little like uh, right. turtle in the middle, they called it. And you could like tell it to move like 10, you know, 10 points this way and then like turn 90 degrees and then like move 10 points that way. And so you could like you and you could have like pen up and pen down and so you could like draw on screen or like move on screen then fill in so you could it's basically mm. like programming right um, like shapes like basic and things algorithms yeah. yeah and and like i think teaching that kind of process to kids is, is really important because it it teaches that there's this like meta level of um like uh pro programmability of like society almost or, or like in, in the world um, mm -hmm. So my experience goes way back to that kind of, um, you know, dabbling in, in code in that way. And I'm not a coder by by trade in any way. Um, but I know that when I get into something like, um, you know, editing, mm -hmm. just even basic like HTML and JavaScript and stuff like that, or I've done a little bit of PHP, things just I dabble. Um, but you have to sort of like load the problem space into your head first. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to spend some time just in the just scrolling and reading and remembering and and um and you know researching and things like that so there, there's like a non-flow aspect for me where it's just yeah. like about the kind of like getting like loading the problem into your brain yeah. and then the flow if it if it kicks in can then like really help you be incredibly productive in that space but i'm curious mm -hmm. if you have like tools and techniques like do you deliberately spend time like kind of getting to a certain point and then somehow invoking flow or how, how do you how does that process work for you right right yeah that's a great question it actually ties into really well uh what and we you know we've talked about stephen kotler and, and his research in flow and it was in the rise of superman the book uh, and i think he talks about it in stealing fire as well where he talks about the four stages of flow and so what you've described is essentially those four stages and I think, uh, so I'll describe those, the, the four stages are struggle, release, and then flow itself, and then recover. Um, and so we can go into detail about those, but the stage you talked about was struggle. And uh, that happens a lot with software engineering. And um, because oftentimes, you know, the problem space can be quite big. And in order to actually get into flow with it, you need to fully understand it. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll work on a project where I've really spent time in the problem space. So every time I come back to it, I get into flow much quicker. But then, you know, whether it's at work, I might jump into a new project. 
and that new project has a completely different you know architecture different language possibly so now i've got to spend time struggling um to load that problem space into my mind and so that struggle phase is always there it's just that sometimes it's shorter because you've been there for a while but what's important is to actually get through that struggle phase um and to actually spend be okay with it uh it's almost like um i think in the book he actually talks about giving yourself the time to get through that struggle phase and being okay with the fact that oh, okay like i'm struggling that's fine and not kind of giving up too soon because only then will you actually enter that flow state um and so this is often you know what i deal with uh in software engineering and and in order to get through that obviously you need like undistracted time um yeah. and so that is one of the biggest pieces and uh and, you know i can talk about deep work which is kind of related to flow and how a lot of i think a lot of society right now has a big challenge with this because people are kind of being pulled in all sorts of sorts of directions and you need that time in order to get through struggle so you can experience flow um yeah i yeah, that, even found myself like uh like uh for example when i work it's like i turn put my phone on airplane mode and i put uh and anything that occurs to me about anything else i just immediately like drop in a in a google note or something like just to mm -hmm. just to offload it and not have to think about it but right. it made me think when, when you were speaking it made me think about um we were talking just before about uh daniel kahneman and the whole system one system two idea and, right. and I think um, some of the things he mentions, I, I think they're really important when you discuss flow and, and you, you, I think you described them perfectly. One is that uh, you need to have mastery of the, of the, the mm -hmm. whatever the subject is, right? Like there, there can't be skills that you don't possess because those would require system two and very conscious thought, which would interrupt uh, flow. And then right. the, the other thing too is, um, is like you said, familiarity with the space itself because that will um, remove like the, the, the system one interference, which would be probably mo more emotional uh, sources, you know, some, some sort of emotional level disturbance that would, that could sort of break that state of flow. And um, yeah, no, no, that, and that's, that's, uh, that's really interesting for, for a ton of reasons, but it, it just makes you think there's um, w with, uh, with certain, uh, with certain subjects, I think he he points it out really well. With um, you know, to to describe system one and two, he has this. Uh, he says like you know, for example, I tell you two plus two equals you know, I show you two plus two equals, and you you immediately four comes to mind. You didn't have to do any work; it's just there. It's mm -hmm. system one, right? Four. And you're uh, smart, Kev. You're but if really I put smart. yeah, but if I put <laughs> up like you know, seventeen times uh, thirty nine or something, there's just there's no possible way that that just comes to mind. You have to do a little bit of work, etc. So it, it's it's both things. It's one is that that like the mastery of those skills, like it gives you that four, uh, four sensation immediately, so that you're not requiring the system two processing. And at the same time, just the equation itself is like a uh, it's it's something we have experience with, et cetera. So there's no there's a there's a predictability. There's a, there's no mm -hmm. like unpredictability that or I'm sorry unpredictability living <laughs> living outside right. English speaking countries killing me. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's the lack of uh, unpredictability that will uh, that will also help you get there, right? So I, I, right. I think, I, like gleaning from what you said, I think it's like unpredictability, familiar with the space, mastery of skills, and then very importantly, a lack of distractions. Yeah, yeah. it seems yeah. like there's also this theme of like productivity that comes up. You know, this mm -hmm. association of flow state allowing you to kind of enter the stream and like produce or be creative or create maybe like productivity or creativity is like mm -hmm. what can be yielded um but it it's an interesting tension there because if you start with struggle like how do you get from struggle to productivity or struggle to creativity mm -hmm. and like is so with your podcast like with the music that you're selecting with the um environment you're creating like do you think of the four stages as like wait till you get to stage three and then like <laughs> hit play in that sense like do you do you use that that in an intentional way or do you offer it with a with a way that has like an intent for the right context to to kind of slip into that creative mode 
Yeah, so it's hard to kind of, um, you know, tell people like, hey, okay, you should wait till you're in flow and then you should hit play. Um, but I, I think what I'm hoping, yeah, two things come to mind. One is I'm hoping that the music gets you into a place, it kind of triggers you into a place of like, okay, I'm focused on one problem right now. And so by doing that, you're allowing yourself to struggle. So even myself, when I listen to the music, I'm not immediately in flow, but what it does is it kind of removes distractions. It kind of tells my, my brain and my body like, hey, I'm focusing on this one thing and I can't, I, I don't wanna stop until the next break or when the music is done. So that allows, that gives me the time, the undistracted time to get through struggle and possibly get into flow. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that I've kind of learned <clears throat> about flow is that everyone's, I, I, I think what I'm learning is everyone has a different trigger into flow. And so there's various, obviously, like we all have different biology and and so for me, I always use this example, coffee doesn't work for me. I don't drink coffee. And the reason is it, it elevates my energy, but I become very anxious. <laughs> and you shouldn't drink it either. No, uh, maybe it works for you. I'm actually uh, having a cup of cold brew for... right now. <laughs> like, are you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys are crazy. It's, 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 <laughs> if this, like, if this podcast goes will... off the rails, you'll know why. <laughs> yeah i i've had, like <laughs> accidentally have had two lattes in one day because i was just out traveling and oh my god like i lattes be, i'm like, surprised on I'm, edge i'm surprised you know you didn't have to use the bathroom more than uh, anything else you know what I mean? like, lat lattes <laughs> no, that's like, it's like 95 percent <laughs> milk right <laughs> speaking of flow state am yeah. I right <laughs> yeah i got into some flow state a different type but yeah no <laughs> i was just like on edge you know and that is that is basically not good or conducive to producing your best work i think uh the the term i like to use is alert but not anxious hmm. so you're like very alert you're you're yeah you just have low anxiety and for me coffee doesn't do that it brings up my anxiety and alertness and so I'm like, yeah. you know, on edge and music, this particular type of music that I, I put out on the show is what calms me down. Because I think for me, my personality is I'm already kind of alert and like high energy and I need something to calm me down and make me less anxious. Hmm. And so that music is also doing that. Um, that, that, yeah. that was my experience with with uh, like I, I have uh, several friends uh, at least one of them is present at this moment who is able to uh, work while uh, high on THC. And that is, is just not, not possible at all for me. You know what I mean? And so I, as much mm. as it baffles me with a coffee example, because it's my, my uh, wheelhouse is having like right. way, way too much coffee oh. and then sitting down super happy to work. But the THC just like deactivates me. I might be outing myself a little bit with this observation. <laughs> um, but the, I, the word I most associate to flow state is engagement. Mm -hmm. Like, are you wholly engaged in yeah. what it is that you're working on? And the way you describe Bobby, the, like being able to focus on one thing, like it's kind of like THC for me can be like a reductive valve. It can mm -hmm. kind of reduce my awareness, like listening to music or even I feel like that's part of the the brain chemistry of enjoying food more, you know, like when you're mm. high or like this, like you hear things that you don't otherwise hear because there's this like tightening of the spigot. Like a singular like focus. focus. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Kind of makes it so that it's difficult to um, have all of those other, you know, things so that, in your So that's why I used to eat background. like 12 sandwiches when I was high. That was, that was the reason for that. I'm singularly focused on 12 <laughs> sandwiches, right? You're so engaged. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to ask Brad, and then he he left. The Brad, room. did we lose? Uh, Brad? <laughs> uh, 
because uh, I'm, I'm curious if like you know you mentioned thc you went to get high like, by the way yeah, exactly <laughs> <Just> stepped out <laughs> that's that's what happened um, i find a big difference between you know thc <laughs> ed- edibles like very yeah. low dose versus Agreed. like mm. smoking i mean i i couldn't you know smoke cannabis um during a work day yeah. if, mm-hmm. during most of the types of work but, but don't do. you think that's a dosage problem like that that's no, what i realized a, well, i had they, i had a i had a really big like so i was anti thc for like 15 years uh and then uh the last burning or two burning months ago like uh, somebody gave me the, the edibles and it was, for me it was a, a revolution because like a i had only ever had the, the only bad drug experiences i ever had in my life were eating thc where it's just right it was Way just a, just a shit show yeah, yeah. and okay. uh and yeah and then trying edibles it was like and they were very low dose that that uh totally changed my mind about it but then it made me think like it's probably just because i actually know how much i'm taking now right you know what i mean whereas like uh, you know what's a joint <laughs> yeah it's exactly indiscriminate well, amount of uh, pot so if you have for someone like me maybe maybe i have a threshold and when i pass certain x milligrams of thc i'm just saturated and i'm useless you know but i think it's also mm-hmm. way different eating it versus smoking it it's like two really? different bio like uh physiological pathways yeah in our episode speaking of like always being self-referential <laughs> um, julie holland uh, brought up you know it, it like i think when you eat thc it is metabolized into like four hydroxy thc or something like that okay. it's a different chemical uh-huh. that then has a different effect of different biological pathways if you smoke something you know it goes like i think more directly like through the blood brain barrier and i, I don't know uh I, I actually don't know how that really works but it, i know that the experience for me is like characteristically different smoking versus eating a low dose edible but i think your point about dosing is also really key because if you eat a high dose edible um you know i mean if i eat like more than five milligrams you know i i kind of just want to watch a movie or maybe like maybe do some writing but like i, I definitely don't want to work you know mm-hmm. uh, maybe something creative maybe walk in nature but not yeah. like you know do notes for a client appointment or something <laughs> no interest in that you know yeah. um, accounting wrecked wrecked to do some accounting yeah exactly um <laughs> and then you realize you've been keeping two sets of books and you're <laughs> <laughs> but also smoking, like you said, it's like totally indiscriminate. But the the problem with eating edibles before this modern era where they're like produced professionally is mm-hmm. that, you know, people are cooking them in their mom's kitchen. Yeah, you have no idea. For example. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, for example. Yeah, right, yeah. And, uh, it's, you like, know, and it's like, who knows what's in that cookie? And like, I ate two, you know, it just, yeah. it, that was not a good well, idea. While, while Bobby was doing Legos, uh, you and I were, <laughs> we're, we're, baking. We're, baking, we're baking pot cookies while my mom was asleep in the living room. <laughs> That was Spanish bake-off. Yeah, competition. I, I I distinctly remember my mom uh, coming into the room at some point, like half asleep, and being like, "It smells terrible in here. What are you guys cooking?" <laughs> and Joe and Joe was like a little bit sick at the time. He was like, "Soup, <laughs> like, soup." Totally believable. It's I was like, it should right? have been something related to the oven. It's one of Joe's family's Italian soup in the oven recipes. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. It yeah, awesome. it, but but it, I love that we have like proper dosing now, for example, yeah. like with, with you yeah. know, at, like low dose edibles for things like work and combinations of like THC and CBD. Because well, the CBD and let's go to LSD about that too. Well, sure. Right. We could talk about microdosing for no, sure. No, no, but I mean, uh, even apart from microdosing, like I, I, I find it like uh, mind-boggling, like how you, you can't. It's there's a certain, um, or there's a, there's a large group of people you can't talk like to them. LSD means like tripping your balls off, right? And um, there's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but there's a huge uh, range of experience. But it's almost like people are like, no, 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 that's like you take that and you know, and it's like. Well, yeah, but yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way, you know. And I, it, it just seems to be like as logical as it is. Like the idea of dose escapes our mind that there would be, you know, different ex- experiences and like uh, phenomenology related to different doses. Yeah, that d- kind of reminds me of no, uh, yeah, real quick on like Brad's point on you know tightening the spigot. So like you know when Brad you say you you, you take THC and it tightens the spigot and really allows you to focus. But I imagine if you dose a little too high, yeah, you now have like tightening the spigot removes your anxiety about life in general. And so you're able to focus. But if you take too much, now you're no longer alert, you know, and now you're you're essentially like too much information. Joe said, 
yeah like you just want to sit and watch tv or, or or chill because now you're you're affecting other parts of your body and so i think with anything like even with lsd if you dose a certain amount now you're just like going into a whole different realm of experience um so yeah it, it makes sense i think yeah. this is like the this probably this worst um side of or effect of the uh man we still call it the war on drugs what a silly concept but um right. you know for, by, for by the way i don't know if anyone has like, noticed so that that's kind of ended like uh yeah right? well i mean it's it's, it's the great like... thing about the modern renaissance of of this uh psychedelic era but like it we we lacked research for like you know decades and decades that and that just set us so far back as a you know species basically and we also lack proper dosing. So even if you're just using yeah. it like recreationally or for, for, I mean, I say recreationally, like using it for whatever purpose you're using it for, like to achieve a flow state, to work, to be more productive, maybe um, to connect with your friends, um, to build relationships, uh, you, you might be off by a factor of 10 in a dose because, mm -hmm. you know, something ha happens to be like mislabeled or, you know, it, it, yeah. so we have no way of controlling for that in, in this you know, as of now, it, but it's moving in the right direction. Clearly with cannabis, that's all been fixed basically overnight with, with um, different states, you know, legalizing it and producing it. I mean, the same thing will happen with mushrooms next, like probably pretty soon in, in certain states. And, um, and we can only hope, you know, from there it continues. And so we would have access to like a mushroom microdose or eventually maybe an LSD mm -hmm. microdose to, you know, just have a connection time with friends. And you know. I always wonder, like, uh, as a thought experiment, like what, um if if you could you know if all the people who ever you know wanted to take uh lsd took like the right amount you know the yeah. a, a proper dose and it was actually lsd uh this is, <laughs> which is another story but uh but yeah if that if that happened like what would be what would the negative stories be like you know what i mean like how many of them would be, there be and what would their sort of content be about you know because it, you just have to believe that there's so many people that just took way too much or it took something. It took something that they thought was something else. You know, and that's yeah, just some of the dose response the codes stories. are like exponential. You know, it's like yeah. if, you, if you if you go from here to here, you're actually going up to here in like response to that dose. Yeah. Two, and, two and plus so, two does not equal four. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And it's yeah, and it leads to those kinds of like very negative stories about it. And it's actually not the the drugs. It's the like it's the it's the side effect of the the war on drugs because we don't have proper labeling and dosing and you know just like, like regulation basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so hard to imagine. You know, like uh, a, a world where it's like I could go like look at the nutritional info on the back of my LSD. You know. Right. <laughs> Hey, well, well, they, they have, have they have uh, they have low carb yep. LSD. You know, <laughs> oh, don't want to fuck up my diet this month. You know, um, is this another... LSD keto? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's like it's what Deckel sprinkles on his steak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back to something you said, um, Bobby, earlier about you know society and, and distraction, like and and this. Um, you know, like, cause Kevin, to your point of like, if we had proper dosing and, and you have 50 years of like properly labeled things and people taking the right amounts of things, I feel like we would be in a better position, like societally. And instead we're in this like very divided, like attention deficit division kind of yeah. um, society and, and like, you know, constant interruptions, um, constant distraction, and this like drive to always be like doing something in front of a screen um and then you know we've also taken like all these tools of social media and you know algorithms that like are designed to weaponize them it, yeah it engage us <laughs> and, and we've weaponized them against ourselves like we've, yeah, we've yeah. pointed these yeah. tools at ourselves and we've said like okay like let's see what happens and outside I, I mean obviously i think there's like a lot of misinformation campaigns out there and i don't think they're all just like organically growing up from someone's dumb idea i think they're probably like nefarious you know they're, yeah, they're yeah. being like put in by outside actors to like get us to fight more with each other and divide us into smaller like sub niches and and um you know and so and like basically keep us in this state of like distraction and um and division and so like how can we counter that you know we like I'm curious, Bobby, for talking about the the idea of like going through the struggle, 
and using the music almost as like a carrier wave to mm-hmm. kind of like carry you through that. It's like as your your mind might say like I'm struggling, I don't like struggling, and the music is there, and it might just subconsciously remind you to like stay with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're doing the right thing. Keep keep up the struggle. Get mm-hmm. to the flow state. Um, I think very few people have a framework to even like utilize any of those tools, you know, so how do, like, what can we bring to society? Like what kinds of practices can we recommend for people to help them, you know, like Kevin said, turn it, turn your phone into airplane mode when you're working. And if you think of something you need to do or want to do, you write it down to review later. Like we can actually kind of practice self-discipline, like any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think so discipline only works up until a certain point if your environment is not conducive to um, that behavior and so i think this is another problem so for me with the music that that helps but let's say i'm in a work environment where i'm expected to respond to every slack message immediately then no matter what you know i'll be working and i get a ping from my boss and i've got to go answer that I'm not going to stay in that struggle phase. I'm not going to be able to load up that problem space into my mind because now I've got a context switch and think about something my, my, my boss messaged me about. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of social media tools and like these things are distractions, but the problem is I, my experience working at several, you know, tech companies. So I've worked at Google, Dropbox, done a few of my own startups in all cases, the environment was extremely poor and they were not conducive to deep work and hence flow. And so I think what's happened, and this is a, I don't know if you guys have read the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, but he basically, it's a great book and he talks about the fact that communication, the friction to communicate has come down to zero. So, you know, back in the day, you'd have to pick up the phone or you'd have to go into a meeting room. Now the friction is zero because you can just email someone or Slack message them. So oftentimes you think, oh, okay, like we've reduced the cost to do this thing. So that must be a good thing. But people aren't being thoughtful about the fact that actually maybe it's not a good thing. Should we be communicating all the time? And so most workplaces today, they're essentially turning humans into just like message senders and receivers, which is terrible for productivity. We're trying to solve complex problems. We need to to focus and stay in a problem space to solve those problems. And the work environments are essentially not helping us get there. Um, And so this is actually, this is actually, I'm, I'm very excited by the fact that I work currently at a company that, you know, my, my CEO really cares about this. And so we've made it very clear to the entire team that if you get a Slack message, you should respond whenever is appropriate for you to respond. Also, you know, we only have meetings once a week. So t- those types of things, it's important for the overall environment to be created in such a way that hey, it it is easy for me to get into an undistracted space, spend time to struggle and then get into flow. Um, And it comes from the top, really, because, you know, as much discipline as I have, if I'm in a work environment where, you know, my boss is pissed at me because I didn't respond the next second, then it'll be impossible for me to get into deep work, except on evenings. And that's what everyone does. And that's what I did when I worked at those companies is during the day, I'm just in meetings or Slack all day. And then I spend my evenings doing real work, but that leads to burnout. And so no, I was just jumping in. It reminded me of what Kevin was saying before earlier about putting your phone in airplane mode. Mm -hmm. But I like the way you said it comes from the top, um, revisiting a previous thesis of mine that's been established in this show, management. Management. Yeah. I was gonna. I was good, gonna say, Brad, your background. Uh, your back. Your background. It, it makes us believe your Zoom background here makes us believe you're gonna talk about like managing a convenience store. So maybe you want to just like you know bring us back to what sort of management you were talking about in particular. Yeah. Well, like leader- middle middle management particularly. Well, like having leadership define that, and you know, I think extending that there's 
the like being in an environment where you're given the space and structure to to be able to do that, where you don't have to just rely on put like turn putting yourself on airplane mode, not having it be like a norm or like a common practice, but just something that you're personally responsible for. Mm -hmm. Joe, something occurred to me when you posed the question about, you know, how do we get there collectively? How do we help people get to that state of flow? Yeah, and are you guys familiar with like the life design lab at Stanford? Like there, there, so there's like a book called Designing Your Life, which came out of a class that was created organically by two professors that became a wildly popular class within the past 20 years. Um, and uh, the, so it's called Designing Your Life. And then there's a, a workbook that you can have associated with it. And fortunately, I, I was working at a place where we did this like six week workshop where, you know, we're reading the book and we're doing the workbook together. The part of it that jumps out is they have this thing called a good time journal. And it's a way to learn about yourself and appreciate how individual that getting to the state of engagement is. And it's because it's not the same for everyone. It's providing a little bit of a framework to help you uh, uh, evaluate and catalog what works for you. And so the way the Good Time Journal works is ideally daily, but like maybe once a, once or twice a week, you just write down what you've done. Like what have your activities been um, at work, outside of work, don't go into a huge amount of detail necessarily, but there's two key pieces of data that you um, measure. So for each activity, there are these like two dials. They look like speedometers or odometers. And one is your level of engagement. Like when you were doing this bit of coding for this period of time, or when you were facilitating this meeting, like how would you rate your level of engagement? And then the other one is how was this activity an energy giver or an energy taker? And doing that for several weeks and just collecting that data for yourself, um, it was really helpful for me to kind of see themes and some of the things were obvious and some of the things were a little more subtle. Um, and like, as a tangible example, um, meeting facilitation, like being in front of a room, like in front of a whiteboard and like interacting manually, like having this like literal, like working with my hands even though it's a part of a collaborative conversation compared to like taking notes on my computer that are being projected on a screen is something that I learned about myself as like a, a much more powerful level of engagement and an energy booster. But um, if, you know, anyone listening is thinking about like a, a, a way to uh, learn a little bit more about how you yourself finds that naturally and can help you kind of set that environment for yourself, definitely recommend checking out uh, designing your life as, as that, as an option. Nice. That's awesome. So, so much of this is company culture related, like you're describing. I mean, if your culture is, you know, I mean, fully remote, obviously your tools are going to be like typing on a computer and that may not engage everybody. And something you said earlier, Bobby, like about, um, you know, the top down aspect, uh, I, the quote kept coming to my mind, um, like your lack of planning is not my emergency. <laughs> and, you know, and, I, and I feel like a, a lot of like company culture is based around like, well, yeah, you know, the boss needs something now. Um, that's a and great like, quote. You know, and and so like I have to provide that, or that that's the culture. And um, but I think that's a really powerful alternative to set it up where um, you deliberately let people know, like intentionally, you you are not expected to respond. Like I might send you something at any given time. I expect you to manage yeah. your do not disturb in the evenings or whatever. Um, you know, and uh, I'm gonna ask you a question. I just need an answer. It's just a, it's a way of posing the question and I don't need an immediate answer. And, and maybe you have like a, you know, step B is like, uh, pick up the phone, you know, I mean, I don't know if anybody uses the phone anymore. Like add like, more friction. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and also, but like, and yeah, make it the exceptional case. Like, yeah. um, you know, pick you have to call me and you like, then, you know, you can get an immediate answer, but like, also don't do that very much you know yeah. like, like it should be the exception not the right rule. And, and the other thing that came to mind was like in the early days of um like portable electronics you know portable communication devices um you know blackberry palm pilot um iphone 
I remember in like 2005 to seven era, um, like especially when I got my first iPhone, it was there was a point of leverage in having it because it it because it removed the barrier to communication. So mm -hmm. because f relatively few people had this capability of like responding to email while they're standing in line somewhere or you know going for a walk or or whatever, um, it was advantageous to be able to do that. And then as the entire world gained that ability, um, it backfired on us because now everyone is sending messages all the time all over the yeah. place. You know, whereas in the early days, it was like, okay, I just actually cleaned up my inbox because, you know, they'll have a higher barrier to entry to sending me a message. They have to go to their computer, turn it on, boot it up, yeah. open their email, let it load. You know, it's like this whole thing. And yeah, so we, we now we're all kind of slaves to these technologies that we've created and again, like, you know, pointed at ourselves. Well, and the temptation. It's so interesting how it's a disadvantage now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the temptation like it, to like to multitask, right? It's the temptation to multitask. Yeah. It's the like, it's this like, oh, I could get ahead a little bit if I just like send this email while I mm. drive and eat and read the newspaper at the same <laughs> right. time, right? Like, the myth, it's a myth. I mean, we learned multitasking as like a thing you could learn to like, you yeah. know, improve your productivity. When when I was growing up, I feel like, you know, I we've had this myth of multitasking. Like you could just yeah. do everything at once and then it's, you know, it's all and, in parallel. And you, can, you can do it all really shittily. Right. <laughs> this is because basically what happens. Because what you said, Bobby, about like well, can the, destroy the, or flow. Totally. Yeah. And it's the context switching cost where, you know, suddenly you have to like stop what you're doing. You lose the flow. Now you have to think about something else entirely. Mm -hmm. There's an absolute cost to doing that and then switch back and there's a cost to switching back. And so you're just destroying your productivity. I love that phrase though, the temptation to multitask, because I think there it can feel elating when you're multitasking yeah 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 like it awesome. in the moment it feels good you feel like i am getting ahead i am making like some a, micro right. adjustments like, like a cheap dopamine cheap dopamine high right precisely like <laughs> precisely and it, it is detrimental in a way that's not immediately like you don't realize that you're sending out emails with typos and you're kind of exactly. like an idiot in multiple forums because you're <laughs> yeah. just plugged in like you're you're I, I don't know that I don't know if that exists somewhere, but it should like the temp temptation of multitasking. It's like a very modern version well, of like, what Jesus would be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, totally. man. I'll take by, by by inference. I'll take the compliment. You know, like, <laughs> well, like compare it. an organization of like multitaskers to like an organization of just people like constantly in flow. You know, it's just like yeah, pretty obvious how bad it is which I, I mean perform better i remember this when i like i uh the company i worked for uh, i was the first employee who was allowed to work from home and uh this was just my boss's idea because i was working on something that was completely outside uh, the scope of the rest of the company and it was uh, in this company it was particularly um revolutionary it was not good for me socially because it created tons of uh jealousy and Etc. But um, but I was able to go home and I was like, in three hours I would get done like the whole day's work. And I'd be like, this is great, yeah. you know. And I and also just because people couldn't physically see me, like they could write me uh, a WhatsApp or or what some kind of message or something, and I could just ignore it all. And then actually like sit down for twenty minutes and just answer messages, get all the messages done. And uh, but it's like people, you, I wasn't a victim to someone else's like uh, random appearances and consciousness anymore. You know, <laughs> like oh hey dude, did you do this? Uh, you want to get a coffee? This this thing like just all that like bombardment of distraction was uh, completely removed. Yeah, and then one thing I want to add uh, to to the point about like it needs to be top down. The other thing though is oftentimes in organizations it might be hard for it to come from the top down and i've actually i've helped i've helped some friends in also pushing back so like you know sometimes you can't rely on management to kind of create that environment but i think if you go to your manager and say hey if you want me to produce this type of work these are my boundaries and you can actually push back and say, like, I'm not going to respond to your emergencies unless it's a true emergency and you call me. And maybe they might respond a little um, hesitant initially. But I think if they see that, like, OK, well, this person's trying to produce more, I should support that. I think over time they'll come around. And, it, and if over time they don't come around, like my opinion is work somewhere else. 
Yeah. And maybe that's trust. Yeah, like, like building, building trust though is, is like the, the key there. Right. Because with, yeah. I mean, and yeah, I felt that as an employee and as an employer, right. It's like you, I want to give uh, a person that like freedom, uh, but, but it's almost like I have to know if you don't feel 100% that they're on board and they're actually productively using the time, et cetera, it's like the paranoia can creep in about like what's not getting done or, mm-hmm. or um, about missing like deadlines on things, et cetera. But when I, I feel like when you, when you do get to a, a state of trust, then, then things work out really nicely, you know, where it's such can a just, good point. Yeah. yeah you yeah, can just like, like ticket things and. Right. And then wait and expect, and then you know that it, you're, you know, there's, it's going to be a response. And th- for me, what it comes to mind is like um, th- this question of like, are people working? Like if, yeah. if I can't get an immediate response, like why aren't exactly. you responding to me? Exactly. Like, are you even th- like, you're probably out, you know, for a walk. Are you, are you even working right now? Um, <laughs> the benefit of we, the doubt. It's hard to give someone right. a ben- the benefit of the doubt without a very high level of trust. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. And you, you just, it's, you can see how that works in practice when um, if you, if you see what the person is producing, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't matter if they are not available, you know, maybe they take a two hour lunch, but then they just work a little bit longer and get things done. Or maybe yeah. they don't need to work longer because they're just more productive. Well, like, how about, mm-hmm. how about this? I mean, like my, my first, uh, deep paranoia, like when, when I have this position I just mentioned, uh, when I first went to work from home is, uh, I love to, I love to, uh, swim like particularly like midday. It's always been like a really good, like mentally, a mental activity, you know? And, uh, specifically when i was dealing with something like more complicated i would have like the urge to just want to go like swim i just want to go to the pool and swim for like swim a mile you know and uh and so i started doing that and i would i would do that with like this deep sense of guilt like i was not yeah i was i was outside it was work hours and i was going to the pool to swim but it's like i would come out of the pool so relaxed and with multiple like creative solutions to things you know just because i was letting letting the mind rest for a little bit like letting letting the ideas percolate and like let a little bit of like uh, passive processing happening uh and then and then come out of there and be like oh that's really easy we just do this and this and this you know but like try to sell that story to somebody you know and they they have to really believe you and uh you know and then before before like you know even trying to tell it to a group of people where you know you could get into all sorts of uh, and, problems and before you have to sell to anybody else like how how long does it take you to appreciate that for yourself yeah. like for you to know that by doing this in the middle of the day it's helpful for you mm-hmm. like it, you're not going to be able to sell on anyone else until it's not to say you, you're not you fully feel guilty believe about it, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but like that i think that's you know if you're kind of thinking about what you're doing and what the what you're getting out of that experience versus the time you're putting into it uh, maybe can help you feel less guilty and help you speak about it in a way because I think getting into a flow state as it relates to productivity or creativity it's it is not like being in a flow state isn't the productivity it's it's like the facilitation path that at there and the more time you can help yourself get easier, you know, I think the more creative and, and productive you can be, but like the flow state is even like this, that phrase like flow state, mm-hmm. you know, it's not uh, a verb. It's like a noun, like you're in right. this flow state. You're in state. Yeah. Um, except, except when Bobby has uh, multiple lattes, then, then it's a verb. <laughs> then, <no. laughs> That's a different. That's a different meaning. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not a state either. Like the, the, the you know, it's it's less like flow. It's it's a continuum. It's a, like, it's interesting. You know, uh, it, it, yeah. I was confused for a second. I wasn't sure which flow state you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> well, about no, Brad. The, yeah. Well, to Brad's point, you talk about like being convinced, convincing yourself. Like that's another challenge, which is I think not, we, not judging yourself too. <laughs> yeah, not judging turning yourself. off the self criticism for ten minutes. You know? Exactly, and and why do we get that? Because we're all taught that like, oh, during work hours, I must be staring at the screen yeah. for every minute, right? But it's the Puritan heritage, just, man. It's the Puritan exactly. heritage, you know. <laughs> but like Kevin, you actually described the second stage of flow, which is release. So like, there's struggle. And then there's release and then there's flow. 
So like release, what that means is to disconnect yourself from the problem for a moment. So like by going swimming, you're actually giving the problem just like space and distance. And so that's why when you come back to it, you get into like flow and you start to have this creative solutions to the problem you're solving. So it's actually like, it makes total sense and you should continue to do that because I think you'll probably solve your problems quicker and most, most effectively that way. But it's like now, now you have the awareness, you have the experience, but then how do you convince others of this? I also yeah. love this concept of like release um, kind of versus like uh, giving up. You know, like it, when you're mm -hmm. working on solving a problem, sometimes there's this, like aspect of like tenacity where you're like, you know, I'm I'm gonna stick. I, I know the pieces fit. Solving. Push through. Right. <laughs> I know yeah. the pieces fit. And maybe sometimes that works. Like maybe sometimes it's actually better to not give up after you know ten minutes because it feels like a struggle and and push through and and in, in an hour you solve it. Um, or you have some kind of breakthrough, um, but knowing when to release the problem and to just do something else, let your subconscious work on it or don't work on it, mm -hmm. um, and then come back to it. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, troubleshooting tech issues and things like that. Sometimes, you know, I can spend hours trying to solve a problem because I, I want it solved. I need it to be solved. I need it to be finished and closed and over. Um, but I think that there should be like a metric we each can learn in the like problem solving that we do, where it's typically like, you know, not worth putting in more than a block of 30 minutes um, on this type of problem, let's say, uh, it, without then releasing it to come back to it later. You know, don't you think the, the cue there, the, don't you think the cue there is more like emotional? I feel like it's like if you're if you're in a flow state, like your your emotions are totally under control. But when you're in that kind of a state, like a frenetic state, it's almost like mm -hmm. there's like a, a panicky sort of feeling that that, that kind of comes up. It's like a yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it, but it's 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 certainly an emotional alteration of some kind, right? And it's like I feel like that's when that's the cue to like just stop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Give yourself a break because that that emotion's always going to interfere anyway. It's not There's it's not attachment an, yeah. to the outcome. There's like this, this yeah, like, mm -hmm. yeah, and then like loss of control where you're you're only focused on this outcome and maybe a loss of um yeah like meta. Cognition you start, well, you just start like yeah. spinning your tires too, right? Yeah. Where you're like, you realize you're not getting anywhere anyway. So that actually yeah. reminds me of like DJing, you know, like sometimes you start a set and it's not really going well and you start to really get attached to the outcome and you're just like spinning your wheels. And there's moments where in that I've kind of just been like, well, fuck it, yeah. whatever. And then that's the release. And then like all of a sudden I'm flowing, you know? And yeah, that's, that's kind of important to, uh, I, I mean, I think being aware of it can, can help you. Yeah. I, I that, that, that's a, a good point too. And a good, a good example, but I, and I think going back to like, um, uh, unpredictability and mastery, I mean, that's where it comes in, right? Like, it's like, if you know, if all that, all the music you're going to play that day, you know, very well that you have a lack of unpredictability in, in the, you know, in like the physical space. And if you have mastery over X amount of techniques you're going to use that day, that's great. And everybody knows, like, you, you, you get you get lucky doing something that you've, like, never done before. Uh, and that gives you that, like, <laughs> that falls high. And then the, the second time mind. you try it, it, go, it doesn't go yeah. very well, you know, and because you've gone outside yeah. Your, yeah. your, you've gone outside your skill set, uh, you know, and it's, it's sort of like, leave those moments for uh, practice and, uh, you know, and only bring mm -hmm. your, your, your mastered skills to the game, you know? Right, right. How are you guys feeling? I feel like I want to ask like... Bobby about uh, about like his uh, tone of voice, like his ladies' man tone of voice that he uses <laughs> for the podcast, because that's been a it's a burning question I have. You know, let's tell people how to how to listen to that voice. As I well, mean, like, can... is like is the audience being aroused part of the flow state? Is that yeah? So I've I've realized I have this talent of arousing people into flow state uh, when I talk. A certain way and so if i know um keep going yeah I, <laughs> keep going Don't stop. <laughs> do y'all want to float today <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> i don't know how that happened i i mean i just so my my thinking was um 
I think it was a combination of two things. Like when I f- like recorded the episode, I had never really recorded, you know, a podcast or anything like that. And, you know, in the show, there's only a five minute talk section. So my thought was like, okay, I need to be very concise to the point, very clear. And so I was trying to just be very clear with my voice. But then I also just had this thought of like, okay, like the audience is working and they're middle, they're in the middle of a work session. And then now they're listening to my voice. And, you know, I think back to like, what I would, what would I want to listen to? And I think the thing that I'm always trying to do is reduce anxiety, reduce any sort of sense of um, jitteriness. You want to go NPR and not Fox News, right? That's your... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, your, a, that's, that's a tone. Great. That's a tone you're going to DJ Khaled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to be DJ Khaled in the middle of their work session. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because actually, you know, I've listened to... I've tried to listen to, like, hip-hop DJ sets sometimes oh, when i'm God, working yeah, when i'm feeling rough. like well sometimes i do that when i'm feeling really low energy and i just like i need to like something to pump me up and the work isn't really like complex i just I mean just if it has like voiceovers right it's the voice oh yeah it'll kill you that's like yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's just like another level of terrible <laughs> but but that would be like the opposite of what i want to hear so i think i kind of just got into this like let me be kind of quiet mellow like paced with my voice but honestly like you as well as many people have asked me like i've, I've shared the show with people like did you change your voice for this and uh you know i don't really change it but i just i definitely talk in a certain way and people seem to like it it, it actually reminded me a lot of uh, i started cracking up the first time i listened to an episode because uh it reminded me of the track you sent me like, like <laughs> oh, yeah. for my birthday or something for your birthday <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, it was yeah. My birthday last year uh, which can we can we like throw that in the outro to the show or something do you like yes uh, do you have do that it. somewhere that you could share with us and then we could uh throw the outro because it just it was a whole, absolutely hilarious yeah i mean it's on sound same style voiceover this is <laughs> very slow very like low tone yeah correct correct feel i was like kevin it's your birthday <laughs> yeah i was I, like i started I was listening, like, like, what is this and then, like, and then it just keeps getting better and better yeah yeah totally i'll send it to joe so you can uh cool. yeah include just, it just make like a nice uh you know change for the outro outro <laughs> awesome well i think um you know as uh as we should have predicted this conversation flowed pretty decently well yeah um, and yeah. i think we have I, a I lot of uh actionable sort of tips for people in there as well for uh how to you know how to take away some of these ideas some tasty uh, morsels yeah, yeah. Don't accept, number one don't drink lattes it's like that yeah all. yeah that's the wrong type of flow state yeah. exactly right. nice um, <laughs> well so how can listeners hear more of your sultry uh ladies man <laughs> the dulcet tones oh yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> They can okay. check it out on Spotify. Um, so one thing actually is um, because I include music in the show, um, I'm only on Spotify right now. And because Spotify deals with the, the music licensing, it's kind of a win-win for the music producers, myself, and Spotify. So that's where you can listen to the shows with music. But I've actually just started releasing talk-only versions of the episode. So obviously through the through the five minute breaks, I talk about some interesting tidbit about flow science, neurology, peak performance. So I've realized like, hey, that would be actually actually be great to be available on other platforms. So I actually just today released a talk only version of the, the last episode. Um, but uh, like you guys know, the, the show is called Flow State. Um, if you actually go to anchor.fm slash flow, dash state um that's where you can see kind of the landing page and where you can listen to the show on several platforms uh but yeah that, that's joe, t- joe take some notes yeah we've had, it's it's been on like the entheogen to-do list for like probably three plus years to like uh you know diversify our channels so still, we still haven't yes. gotten there <laughs> yeah just, i mean anchor makes it so easy you don't awesome. you just upload it to one place and it goes everywhere nice Nice. Well, mm-hmm. listeners can also stay tuned for some more great content through Entheogen as well. Um, 
and uh, Bobby Light, it was great to talk to you today. And thanks for sharing your your knowledge of of flow and you know sparking this awesome conversation about how we can all achieve these states and and you know maybe trend more away from distraction and disconnection and division and more toward a uh, flow individually and more of a hive mind collectively for society maybe to uh, you know bring Absolutely. some healing to this crazy world we were living in. So I, the, the tool lyric popped into my head, you know, that o- overthinking, overanalyzing separates my body from my mind. That's, uh, that's, I think mm. that's, the, that's what I feel like when uh, I start getting hit with 10,000 messages and emails while I'm trying to do something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That'd make an interesting soundtrack. I'm not sure how that would work for, uh, for like achieving a flow state, but it would yeah. it would be appropriate in those moments where you're feeling that way of like <laughs> overdriven, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah so big we... thanks, Mr. Light. Yeah, Mr. great to Dr. have you, Doctor Doctor Light. Thanks so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I mean, the last point I just want to add is I think when people experience flow, there's this this feeling of um, yeah, like selflessness or timelessness. And I think uh, what I've realized is most, if you think about most of the things we're motivated by is it's to get to that state. It's to get to that state of flow. Um, Like even example of like going out and drinking with your friends, you use alcohol so you can kind of calm down yourself and get into flow socially. So I really think of flow as a justification for life itself. So I think that's why the topic is so interesting. Uh, Bobby so Light, really it, just, it, just, to it just occurred to me you. that there's, it just occurred to me there's a question that uh, at least one part of our, our audience must be dying to to hear, and that's, you know, you're you go by the name Bobby Light, but you've also been called Bobby Late, uh, <laughs> and uh, so like, are you in a state of flow when not arriving on time to places? I was going to ask you that earlier, actually. I think that's a that is a great question because. <laughs> Because oftentimes, like punctuality is incompatible with uh, allowing these states of flow to to be achieved. Like you need an oh, open-ended wow. block of time to, yeah, you know, load the problem in your mind and 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 achieve flow and and make some gains on a problem space. And you know, you, you don't always it, like if the alarms are going off all the time with the calendar alerts, it, it's it disrupts your flow. So I, I actually that's, think that's a great question. Very fair that's question. really interesting. Yeah. I, I actually have. I think you just gave him an elegant it. out. You know what I mean? Like he no, no longer has to. <laughs> yeah. He no longer has like to excuse himself. I don't yeah. like where this is going. <laughs> he never this has is to. My, this is my explanation from now on. I mean, before <laughs> my explanation was, I just don't want to be the be the first one at the party. Um, but now I have a much better explanation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a good question. I'll have to think on that. Maybe no, I, some uh, something with flow. Going going to Joe's <laughs> point though, like I, uh, I I totally agree. There's something like uh, yeah, it's un- they talk about like uh, in uh, like anthropology, whatever they call it, like uh, the difference between uh, clock time and event time, right? And then it's uh, like right, right. And it's like, yeah, and for example, where I live in southern Spain tends to be much more like event time oriented. So like um, I always like dealing with uh, people who come over not used to it, et cetera. I always say it's like if you got somewhere like if I were five minute, if I were on my way to meet someone and I were like and I was like more than you know 10 seconds late, like imagine that I'm supposed to be there at eight and it's 802. The state that my the, the emotional state that I'm in is just like just wrecked right i'm like anxious all right i feel bad i need to get there i'm, I'm like walking fast i'm like you know almost probably sprinting to get somewhere whereas uh-huh. like p- people locally it would just never occur to them and they would just show up at 805 and that everything would be fine but it's, it's <laughs> not about you know it's not about like uh what time you get behavior? there or anything what's that it's, it feels like a trained behavior like someone has made yeah, you feel no, bad about being late Exactly. Well, yeah, that that's the one thing. Like the other person wouldn't have any expectation or but it's more like the state of mind the late person is in is that they're just not uh there's just no negative emotional state associated with that. Uh, I find it like really culturally interesting then. So so now you have an elegant out and uh, also you should you should <laughs> do like a, Yeah, you should also do like a 23 and me man. Maybe you have some like southern spanish uh, <laughs> yeah, genes in exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> something, something reminded me uh, this story you're telling Kevin about like rushing and you know some people feel the need to rush and other people are just totally relaxed about it um this like uh this this like old antique um thing we 
bought at some house, you know, tag sale thing. Um, it's like this iron thing you might put in your kitchen and put a pot on to keep it from like burning the counter and you hang it on your wall and it has this little saying on it and it's this like really weirdly um, phrased saying and it's it's the hurrier i go the behinder i get oh <laughs> so wow. i don't know what language that is it's like some <laughs> old english or something but it's just, you know, so it, on point though. drunken irish right? <laughs> yeah it's like you you feel this need to rush and you then you end up having this like lower quality experience and, and yeah you know losing ground somehow sounds right. like something sean hogan would say <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, i mean I'm, that i mean i could we could go on forever i'll just say one more thing about like being late because you just reminded me how recently i don't i actually have stopped setting an alarm clock um and really leaning I, into this i really really <laughs> step leaning. into it bobby step into it. <laughs> and i just i just like wake up when i when i when i wake up and i mean part of the reason as you all know you know i experienced a concussion a few months ago and and that really required me to just like okay like i don't care about what time i get up i just need to make sure i get enough sleep and so I think I've kind of gotten used to that. And so I've stopped feeling bad about, oh, I need to get up at a certain time. I just care about when I wake up, I feel like I'm waking up when my body feels like waking up and not when like, oh, I need to start my routine at 6 a.m. You know, like, no, no I'm going to wake up when my body feels okay to wake up. And that's actually been really helpful. I've been doing the same good. thing for more natural for years too. Like I've been doing the same thing. Now I have a, a biological alarm clock that wakes me up every single morning. But nice. before that, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, like a living, breathing like <laughs> alarm clock. But uh, but yeah, before that, I I did I did the same thing. It's one of the many reasons why I think I I could probably never go back to like work for a company again. It's because I've just mm. like. I've developed all these like very <laughs> cozy habits for myself that I, fi I find incompatible with any sort of office culture. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, maybe, perhaps I think, I think that's one of the, you know, in the IT, like in the tech space, you, you have a lot more of like th th those kind of freedoms that are uh, right. Yeah. They're not generally associated with other, other uh, sectors. Exactly. Yeah, I mean yeah. retail. You know, it's like the store opens when when we wake up. That doesn't really yeah. work. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's not compatible. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think society should move more in that direction, though, because it, it you know, I mean, these artificial like structures impose um, this like uh, top down, you know, uh, forced kind of um, like behavior, and it and it, it it's not conducive to flow, as we, I think we've kind of like mm -hmm. pretty well established, and that flow can end up creating more productivity with more ease like yeah. isn't that what everyone just wants and yeah and so you know maybe it's not so important to get up at a specific time and start our days at 9 a.m at work and um you know to the extent that we're doing that so hopefully that you know maybe some uh, higher ups at some companies are listening to this and they'll start to really uh you know make some decent so, yeah. changes yeah awesome great great conversation look yeah, forward man. to talking more about Super this fun. all great to and, have you uh, yeah, yeah, yeah thanks for having check me. out flow state from bobby light and uh anchor.fm slash flow dash state i think you said right yeah flow dash state awesome well thanks again bobby this is great bobby pleasure this is entheogen elevate the conversation i'm joe i'm brad and i'm kevin please support entheogen by making a donation on patreon become a patron for as little as one dollar Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again.